Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode Julie, I got to tell you, I really, really miss you. I miss you too. No, like it was, it was just hitting me differently today and yesterday. I was like, I cannot believe I haven't seen you since March 4th. That is crazy. I can't believe you remember the day. That's so cute. It was our last meeting in the city. And I didn't like, I didn't know that that was going to be the last time for four months. I can't, you know, I just can't envision a world in which we go back to the studio till at least the fall. It's so crazy. Right? We're not going to see each other till the fall. I know. I And the thing is, I want to see you so badly and I really do miss you, but I just care like significantly more about keeping my dad alive than I do about <laughs> seeing you. I care significantly more about keeping your dad alive than I do about seeing you also. <laughs> I know, but I feel like you guys should know Julie hates talking on the phone. So these two hours a week that I get her on Zencast or to do this podcast mm. is kind of like my therapy because we get uninterrupted audio time and I just love having you trapped here and I'm just so happy and I just love you. I love you too. I hate talking on the phone. I know. Okay. So starting today, we're going to kind of start to ease back into our normal schedule, but I want to make something very, very clear. You know, just because content wise, we're going to be talking about celebrities and the Kardashians and things like that. That does not mean for one second that the conversation is stopping or that the work is stopping. And not just for us, for all of us, you know, like what's happening right now, this, this conversation about race in America, which is obviously so long overdue. This isn't just a moment in time. Like this is the start of a very important and very necessary change. And in a, in a minute or so, I'm going to read this list that I found that I think is very telling. But I guess a point that I wanted to make is I know sometimes, you know, there's like this helplessness that comes over because we may not be able to see tangible results in our own life. However, all of the work on social media, all of the conversations, all of the protests, they're making very legitimate differences. And I'm going to read that in a minute, but I just want to make it super, super clear that like, this is not 
as Justin said, it's not like some sort of a trending thing. We are talking about a human rights issue here. We are talking about black lives that have always mattered and matter significantly. And, you know, this momentum that we all have, like it has to keep going. This is so, so, so important. And I just want to make sure that that's very clear, not just for everyone, for us also. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is there's stuff that we can all do and we can all continue to do. And especially you and I, like when we're talking about certain things, we're talking about celebrities just because we're talking about it doesn't mean that there isn't a lens that we should and need to apply to those stories. For example, like if we're talking about Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman and the college admission scandal, then we also need to talk about Tanya McDowell getting five years in prison for attempting to put her child into a good school district. So there's a lot of different things that we need to all, all of us need to make sure that we're looking at and that we're talking about and that we're educating ourselves on. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. I really do. I, I think, you know, I, I appreciate the accountability that everyone, ourselves included, are being held to because I think it's the only way that a change is is coming, you know? Right. Um, so I wanted to read, this is from Betcha Sup, but I wanted to read this because I think a lot of times if you aren't physically at a protest or, you know, you're maybe somewhere where you're not feeling it as personally in your own life, I think that there's this sense of like, well, what's actually, what changes are actually being made? And I wanted to read this list and I just want to be very clear. Of course, there's so much work that needs to be done, but changes are actually happening. And just because, you know, we may not be able to actually see them in our own communities or in our own lives, the work that everybody collectively is doing, you know, there's pressure being put on authorities and laws are being changed and laws are being made. And I wanted to read this post from Betches Up because I think it's almost like, I don't know if it provides a sense of hopefulness or just momentum to continue going. And like I said, it's too important to not. So this is what protests against police brutality have already achieved. Of course, this isn't everything, but this is some. In Minneapolis, the Minneapolis City Council will vote to dismantle the city's police department, saying it's too broken to be reformed as is. Following George Floyd's murder by a Minneapolis police officer, the city will reimagine how law enforcement can promote public safety. The city also banned chokeholds. In New York, New York City vowed to cut the NYPD's $6 billion budget and divert funds to youth and social services that invest in communities impacted by social by police violence. The State Assembly also passed the Eric Gardner Anti-Chokehold Act, making chokeholds one step closer to being illegal in the state. Governor Andrew Cuomo promises to sign it. In Los Angeles, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti agreed to slash up to $150 million from the Los Angeles Police Department's $2, million, $2 billion budget. Fucking $2 billion budget, Julie. I know. I know that is, that is so like, when you see those numbers in, in writing, it really hits because if you look at that comparatively speaking to the educational budget or, you know, the mental health budget, like that's pretty shocking. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? That all of a sudden you saw police in militarized everything. And yet we had hospital workers walking around in, in, in plastic bags because there wasn't enough PPE. And all of a sudden there's money. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, this is the most, it's the most like, um, not tangible. It's the most like obvious example of clearly there's so much misinformation that we have been getting for so long in terms of what the budgets allow. It's not that the budgets don't allow it. That's the lawmakers don't want to put the money into those things, you know? Right. Exactly. Uh, so in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky is pursuing Brianna's law, which would limit the type of violent raid that resulted in Brianna Taylor's death. In the UK, the Black Lives Matter movement crossed the pond and saw protesters topple a statue of slave trader Edward Colston in Bristol, England. 
In the U.S., Confederate statues across the South will get an overdue retirement, including Alabama, Tennessee, and Virginia. In Congress, members of the House and Senate unveiled the Justice and Policing Act of 2020, which would prohibit the use of chokeholds, allow for greater criminal and civil penalties for police misconduct, ban certain no-knock warrants, and create a national registry to track police misconduct. A bipartisan effort would also stop local law enforcement from receiving military equipment. And also, uh, New York lawmakers voted to repeal 50A, which was a state law allowing police departments to shield disciplinary records. This blocked the public from information about officers' previous bad behavior behavior, and let the NYPD conceal Daniel Pantaleo's disciplinary record after killing Eric Gardner in 2014. He was allowed to stay on the force for five more years until it was finally revealed that he had a number of misconduct complaints. The city investigated and forced out the person who leaked the records. Wow. It's unbelievable. And like I said, I mean, there's so much work that has to be done and so many cases to be reopened. Tamir Rice, Sandra Bland, you know, Kendrick Johnson, so many innocent black people that were killed at the hands of police brutality. And we need to continue to demand justice for all of them and so many that came before them. But I just think that that, to me, at least when I read that list, it it provided me a sense of kind of like hopefulness, like, no, we are not fucking stopping, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And sign every petition you see. Like they, it takes three seconds. It literally takes three seconds to sign a petition. Yeah, we're going to put some some in our description. So it's really super easy, but it, it takes three seconds. It's so easy to do it. Anytime you see someone on their story, put a swipe up, just swipe up because they're putting it right there for you. That's why we try to do it as frequently as possible. Oh, Julie, I should announce our voter thing. Yes. Okay. Also, we were really excited. We partnered with I Am A Voter. And so you can text CBC to 26797 and you can check your voter registration status. They kind of keep you up to date on everything regarding local and federal elections. And it's kind of, it's a super easy, simple way to be able to keep it on track because as you know, voting is so fucking important. It is one of the most important things that you can do. So I wanted to make sure to mention that. And I also want to say, I don't know where else this video was, but if you go to Cardi B's IGTV, she posted this really, really powerful video that was Tamika Palmer, who's Breonna Taylor's mother, talking about the case, talking about, you know, just the, I don't even, the the lack of morality and, and disgust regarding these police officers and the way that they handled it all. And she spoke about Breonna and then this woman, uh, Tamika Mallory, who's from Until Freedom, came on and outlined concrete steps to take in order to demand justice for Brianna. And I really highly recommend everybody watching that video and also everybody reading the article from The Cut, which I'm also going to put in our description where, you know, Brianna's mom just spoke about her and it was so, I always say like, these people aren't just names. They aren't just hashtags. These are people. These are human beings that were killed at the hands of police brutality. And it's not enough to just say their name. I, we also need to learn about them and be able to memorialize these incredible people for the, the the beauty that they brought to this world. And for me, reading that article from her mother was just, it fucking ripped my heart out, you know? Yeah, yeah it did. It really did. Yeah. So like I said, I just want to be super clear, you know, just because content, celebrity content is being discussed, the two can absolutely coexist and continue to hold us accountable. We are con- continuing to hold ourselves accountable and let's fucking do this guys. It's too, it's too, too, too important. And the other thing that I wanted to mention, which this is definitely not our idea. I saw a lot of other podcasters doing it, but we loved it. And we wanted to also include that into our show. 
So every week we are going to be highlighting a black owned business that we really love. And this week, even though don't you wish Isabel was here for this because she goes so hard for this company. I know she's (laughs) so excited that we're highlighting this one first. So it's Estelle's Colored Glass. Their handle is E-S-T-E-L-L-E Colored Glass on Instagram. And they describe themselves as a luxury brand of modern hand-blown colored glass comprised of original commissioned pieces made by glass artisans in Poland at a glassmaking company with a rich 100-plus-year-old history. Estelle Colored Glass pieces are best described as jewels for your table. And they basically sell like pastels and these bright colored wine glasses, stemless glasses, champagne glasses, cake stands, It was founded by this woman, Stephanie Summerson Hall. And I love the story because she was inspired by her grandmother, whose name was Estelle. And her grandmother loved antiquing and cooking and colored glass. And Stephanie also runs an event rental company called Ruth's House and Wedding Flowers for Rent in South Carolina. So you know, this, I love the, I love the grandmother origin because to me that, that familial element is always so special. But Isabel ordered the lavender cake stand and champagne glasses. I ordered these stemless glasses. We haven't gotten them yet, but we are so excited. Definitely check this out. The website is EstelleColoredGlass.com. And like I said, the handle is Estelle Colored Glass. Really beautiful stuff. And I don't know, we were just so excited to highlight it. So we will do another one next week, but this was ours for this week. Here we go. You ready? Did we even say what we were doing this episode? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I just, yeah. Um, listen, guys, it's, we're t- it takes us a second to get back into the groove, okay? I feel like we're a little rusty. Do you? I do. I feel very rusty, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, we are continuing our season one Kardashian recap. So we're on season one, episode five. And we left you off two weeks ago with Kim's Playboy shoot, which was quite the fucking ride, I got to tell you. Was it not? Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. Um, and this episode actually was totally a different tone. It's centered around the anniversary of Robert's death and kind of a lot of things that came with it, which we'll get into. But this was, you know, I have to tell you that I was thinking about myself watching this for the first time. And I was thinking, you know, we saw a very different side of them this episode. Yeah, especially Chloe. Especially Chloe. We, we haven't almost seen that from Chloe in a while. No, we haven't. It was a you know? very, very different, a very long time ago, Chloe. Yeah. So the scene kind of opens with a picture of Robert Kardashian on the screen. And it's a voiceover from Chris. And she says, a lot of people remembered my ex-husband, Robert Kardashian, as the attorney in the OJ Simpson trial. Well, it's coming up on the anniversary of his death. It's been four years. And every year we get together with the kids and the family. And we go to his favorite Armenian restaurant, the Carousel. And, you know, it starts and they're all arriving. And... Kim's like in her confessional, we haven't really got as a family in a while. So to honor my dad, this is the best place and the best thing that we can do. And, you know, they're all there and they're kind of just having like a very celebratory moment about his life, you know? Right. And what was interesting is that Rob was saying how every night Robert would come into his room and say his prayers with him. And Kim was like, you know, I think each of us had a really different relationship with him. And Courtney's like, my favorite memory is watching old movies. I would be like watching the movie and get really into it. And he would always forget, like he would never record the ending, which you wrote, Julie wrote, Courtney's current Insta stories, always old movies. Always old movies. I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. That must be like a connection to her dad, which I didn't know about until I watched this. Yeah. And, you know, they're just talking 
like about their different memories and Chloe's in her confessional. She goes, a couple weeks before he died, he was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. My sisters and my brother have dealt with it. I get very angry or just very quiet and very distant towards my family. And she's like, I try to never talk about my dad or him passing away. I can talk about him in happy moments, but not him being sick. And like, you know, we see a very emotional side of Chloe. Like she's, you know, crying in her confessional, which is of course so normal, but not really that normal in terms of how we knew Chloe back then, you know? Right. And the interesting thing about Chloe in this episode is we're so used to seeing her emotional. I don't think that's the weird thing. Like she's not the biggest crier and she'll say that she doesn't love crying in public, but we've definitely seen her emotional. It's been a while since we've seen her get really angry. And she's, she talks about that. And I think when everything happened with Tristan and Jordan, she said, she's like, I've done a lot of work on myself to not get angry when I get upset. And I, she was like, I feel like this has set me back. And it, they, like, I remember the whole family was like, it's okay to be angry. Like, it's okay that you can get angry at this. Right. That's so true. Yeah, that's a very good point. And Chris in her confessional, she's like, all of us have a hard time every year at this time, but I think Chloe especially takes it really, really hard. I don't think she's really dealt with all the anger and the grief that she has inside, which like, you're going to see this really play out through the episode. But I have to say also, like, I don't know if you felt this way. This was their first season ever, right? They didn't owe anything to their fans. They didn't, you know... Two episodes, one episode ago, Kim shooting Playboy. Two episodes ago, they're at Joe Francis's house for a bikini shoot. Like they were getting really deep here, and I felt like it was a very vulnerable thing to share so yeah, early on. Yeah, it was early on, and also I think it was really the first time that they spoke about their dad like in depthly. Yeah, I mean, this was basically an episode dedicated to him, which I, I loved, obviously. But I just was thinking, like, that must have been. You know, it's not like they're seasoned pros at reality television now. And if Chloe's having a hard enough time opening up about this on her own, like here she's doing it with fucking cameras in her face, like that takes a lot of strength. And also the other thing is that they don't know how receptive the other side of the audience is. Like now Chloe knows that when she talks to us and when she pours her heart out that she has an entire fan base on the other side waiting to like, not necessarily console her, but like support her. She has no Mm -hmm. idea what the fan base on the other side is at this point in, in the game. Exactly. I was actually thinking about that. It's funny that you brought that up. I was, I was thinking about that. Like, do you ever feel like that's in their minds when they're on the show now? Like thinking about the, not the audience's response, but like who the audience's allegiance would be to in a fight? Yeah, I think so. I think they joke around about it. And I think that, I also think that they're very aware of how they're perceived by their fans. They are pretty self-aware. Right? Yeah, and I think I, I'm sure that's something that they joke about because they also read like a lot of tweets and they see a lot of what everybody's talking about. I think it would be impossible for them to ignore that. Yeah, no, that's so true. So the first scene, they're at Dash and, you know, Cordy's on the phone, Chloe's cleaning and you can see Chloe's just irritable. Like she's just pissed off. She feels like nobody is listening to her. She's, Kim has her stuff being shipped to the store instead of to her house. And Chloe's just like, why the fuck are all these boxes here? Like, it was one of those things. I know we always use this this meme, but it's one of the things like, person I hate breathes me. Like, fuck off. Right. That was kind of like Chloe. Like, not that she hates her sisters, but it was like anybody did anything. And she was like, I cannot fucking deal with you right now. You know? Exactly. Yes. Then a message comes on the screen and it goes, the following episode contains recreations of, act- recreations of actual events. Couldn't they just put that on every episode? 
Like, that's what I was going to say. Like, why would you point out this one specifically? And also, they never right. tell you that's a recreation. So you're like, is the DUI the recreation? Is them talking about it the next morning? Is Chloe walking out of jail in the same outfit? Like, what's the recreation? And what makes right, that different from every other episode? I know. <laughs> exactly how I felt. So, okay, next scene. Chloe's driving in a Range Rover and she's like, I'm really tired of arguing with Courtney and Kim. So we're going to go party and release some steam and I'm going to turn into an alcoholic tonight. And, you know, they're all in the club together. And Courtney's, by the way, sitting on Scott's lap, which like, Julie, no, I can't, I can't get get enough of it. I know. Same. Beyond same. And... You know, Courtney is like having a really hard time understanding Chloe because they're having the best time in the club. And she's like, what is wrong with her? She's like, she's screaming at me one second. We're having the best time the next. Like, I don't understand what's going on, which by the way, I wanted to be like, Courtney, welcome to yourself in season 17. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And Kim, who, as we know, does not drink. She's like, I can always tell when my sisters are beyond the point of no return. Like, Kim, I, I forgot that Kim was at the club that night. And when her face popped up, I was like, what are you doing there? I know. You know, it's so funny because the picture of her, you know, that like very famous picture of her, I think Paris Hilton's in it, but she may not be. They're at some club and she's drinking the vodka and you see her face like it's, you know, exactly which one it looks like she's yeah, going to throw up. Yeah. Right. I, I was, I was thinking like, that's not, if you don't know anything about Kim, you see that picture and you're like, oh my God, she was probably so done that night. Like, of course, like she's some, you know, meanwhile, it's like, no, she literally had that reaction because she barely drinks. It probably was on drink number one. It was probably step right. number one in that picture. Yeah. Exactly. Kim's so, when we go, not we go out, but like when we're out. <laughs> I was going to say, when are we going out? <laughs> and me, I just felt like as a grouping of people that, that neither of us, I don't think we have ever gone out one single time together. No, we haven't. Well, in college, I guess, right? I guess. Yeah. When you put lip gloss on Sam. <laughs> I was thinking about college today. I don't know why. I guess I'm on like my time hop or something. I was so much more, like I was fun. I got drunk. Yeah. I like, I did shit. I, I can't even, you know, like yeah, I, 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 I What? I used to be fun too. I know. We really aged. Yeah, but I can't like do that anymore. Like it's not even a matter of not wanting to. I physically couldn't. No, I physically couldn't either. I mean, my issue was that I would throw up the next morning every time. So I was like, this is just simply not worth it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry for that little tangent. So (laughs) this I assume is the recreation. And Chloe's in her confessional. She's like, I'm halfway home. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm really buzzed. And there are sirens. And she's like, I see a cop car behind me. The lights go on. And all I'm thinking is fuck a duck. And I assume, again, this is the recreation. The cop's asking her like, so how much did you have to drink tonight? She's like, I had about four drinks. She does the field sobriety test. She's obviously not able to do anything that he's asking. And she says in her confessional, she's like, I cannot stand on both of my feet, let alone one. I'm doing horrible. And I know I'm going to jail. I could just feel it. And the cop tells Chloe that the last part of the test is to put her hands behind her head. And she goes, I'm handcuffed and being put in the back of a police car. I'm so fucked right now. I totally know I should not have been driving. So irresponsible. My mom's going to kill me. It's just like, like, obviously we knew about this. I've seen this scene a million times, but like in this moment, you know, like every time we watch these or a couple moments throughout the show and I'm like, wow, you really fucking matured like to whoever it is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This, (laughs) This was one of those times for me. No, this is a different Chloe. It's impossible to compare. Because Chloe also doesn't deal with things like this anymore.
So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So the next scene, it's Courtney and Scott and they're in bed at, as they describe it, Scott's townhouse. Julie? I would do anything to be in bed at Scott's townhouse. <laughs> I was like, uh, I miss Scott's townhouse. Don't you? It really wasn't even a townhouse. It was just a regular apartment. <laughs> I know. So Courtney gets a call from Chloe and she's like, it's Chloe. Don't hang up. I'm calling you from jail. And she basically is like, I got a DUI. I had to stay there for seven hours. And she's like, you know, are you okay? She's like, yeah, but I need you to come get me. Don't tell mom. Don't tell Kim. Obviously she calls Kim at 5 a.m. The arrest happened at 2 a.m. And she's like, Kim, wake up. Chloe's in jail. She got a DUI. And she's like, listen, I wasn't supposed to tell you. So don't do anything and don't tell mom. And especially don't tell Caitlin. And so Kim's like, okay, well, what should we do? And Courtney's like, just go to sleep. I was just telling you, there's nothing they can do. Chloe's getting out at noon and one of us just has to be there to pick her up. Like there was really nothing that they could do. I think Courtney just wanted to warn Kim. Yeah. She was obviously going to tell Kim. Also like she couldn't, like you can't like get a call about a sister's DUI and then like not bring the other one in. Yeah, of course. I just, it's so funny because I was also thinking like if that happened nowadays, which it wouldn't, I think Courtney would have called Kim. You mean Chloe would have I'm, called Kim? Yeah. Well, duh, Kim's a lawyer. <laughs> Wait, but like, wouldn't you think so just regardless? Yeah, I do too, yeah. But you at know? the time, also like, at the time, Kim was so focused on growing their brand that I'm sure that Chloe's, one of Chloe's initial reactions, like, don't tell Kim she's going to be so mad at me because this is going to look so bad for our family. Yeah, but also Kim at the time didn't, like, this is not my opinion. This I'm just using this as an opinion, like, didn't have a leg to stand on because, like, she just had a sex tape, so. And I know that that obviously was the boost of their career, but, like, okay, DUI, sex tape, like, in the in the eyes of, like, people judging, they're each equally as fucking judgy, you know what I mean? Which shouldn't be the case. You should be judged way more harshly for getting in a car drunk than it should be for having sex on tape. Oh my God, absolutely. First of all, I judge no one for having sex on tape. As long as it's consensual, fucking do it. I've never done it, but I judge for getting into a car drunk. Yeah, I judge everyone for getting into a car drunk and I judge no one for having sex on tape. Yeah, I've never done it. As long as it's consensual, go crazy. Film whatever the fuck you want. Have you ever filmed it? No. Have you? Neither have I. No, I haven't, but it's like, I totally would if it was like someone, you know, that I loved and like wanted to just for our own personal... Like, I don't know. I think it's kind of fun. 
it would so get out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, so next scene, Chris comes into Dash and Kim's there and she's like, where's Chloe? And you know, Kim's making up an excuse, whatever. And she's like, you don't know where she is? Wasn't she supposed to open this morning? And she's like, yeah, but I'm just taking over. She needed a break. And they're eating lunch together. And she's like, Chris is like, I think it's so weird for some reason that Chloe isn't here. She never doesn't come in and open the stores. She hasn't called you. And Chris in her confessional is like, I'm having lunch with Kim. And I see that she's really nervous. And I keep seeing her getting her pages. Her pages! She was getting pages? People were getting pages? She She literally has a pager. I can't believe it. People had pagers in 2007. I know. She's like, I keep seeing her getting her pages and her phone calls from her sisters and I know something's wrong. So she goes to Kim, well, it's really weird because usually she calls me three or four times and asks me if I want coffee every damn morning before I even get to work and I haven't heard from her, which is odd. And Kim's like, there's just no way that she's not going to tell. And Chris is like, what? And Kim's like, okay, it's not funny, but Chloe's in jail. And she's like, what? What do you mean Chloe's in jail? She's like, no, relax. She got pulled over for DUI. And Chris is like, a DUI? I've been asking you all morning, where the hell is Chloe? And you tell me now, three hours later, why are you at jail with her right now if you know she's in jail? What's wrong with you? And Kim's like, Courtney told me she took care of it. And I just, you know, she, I called her. And Chris is like, Courtney took care of it. Yeah, my daughter is in jail. And like, Chris is just like, I, okay, again, I'm sure that this was, this part was all staged, but I don't think it's that far off from her actual reaction, you know? I think Chris is an excellent actress. Not only is she I an excellent actress. <laughs> First of all, I agree. But second of all, like, don't you think she was actually like in real life? What the fuck? Yeah, probably. I actually, she was probably more mad in real life. I actually can't tell with Chris whether she was mad that no one told her or that Chloe got a DUI. She seemed way more mad that no one told her. It was kind of a combination of the two, I think. Yeah. And she's in her confessional. She's like, I'm shocked, freaked out, disappointed. And all I can think about is getting to wherever Chloe is. And she's, she calls Robert Shapiro, who's their family lawyer. And she's like, <laughs> Julie goes, Chris's so first call. Robert Shapiro is their family lawyer. Why? Well, because it wouldn't be weird if Robert Kardashian called, but for Chris to call the person that defend also defended OJ seems a little weird to me. I don't know. I mean, they were on the same team. Yeah, but Chris wasn't on team Robert Shapiro and OJ. Yeah, but clearly he's a good fucking lawyer. Clearly, I know. I just always think it's so interesting that that's their first go-to. Well, I, yeah. I mean, that's a perfect example of Chris, though, where she like puts the... That's like where she can really turn on the like very logical side of her brain. You know what right. I mean? Like the, I just want to do whatever's the fucking best. Right. So he's not there and she's like, please call me back immediately. It's urgent. And she's like, you know, their sister's in jail. They know why. And they're sitting there when they should be at the jailhouse trying to get her out and released. And she's like, I should have been the next call. Then we get Robert on it and it's done. Okay. You don't leave somebody in jail. And I should have been your first call at 530 this morning. I blame you, Kim. And Kim's like, you're blaming me. Why don't you blame your alcoholic daughters? Don't blame me. I'm the only one that doesn't drink. <laughs> Kim, like, Kim is so like, it's funny because on one hand, she's so wild, but also she's so boring, comparatively speaking, at, at this time. Right. No, she is. Also, you know? that's why it was so crazy in that episode like a couple years ago when she was talking about doing ecstasy. And she was like, yeah, when I made the sex tape, I was on ecstasy. And we were like, we thought you didn't do anything. Yeah. Even Scott was shocked. Yeah. And she's like, you guys didn't know, like, my jaw was shaking. And I'm sitting there like, no, we had no fucking idea. I was like, yeah, I saw your jaw shaking a little bit, but there was, like, other things going on with your jaw that I felt like was more pertinent than ecstasy. 
I was about to say, I've never done ecstasy in my jaw shakes sometimes when I'm giving it. Like, <laughs> it happens at the best of us. <laughs> the wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Something else that I wanted to mention before we move on to the next scene, which is them actually getting her out of jail, is kind of just, you know, this was, it happened to be very timely that watching this scene, considering everything that's going on, because, you know, it was a no-brainer for Chris, right? Like her first thought was, oh, we'll just call the family lawyer, we'll pay whatever bond we have to pay, and she'll be out. And, you know, that is... And I'm not blaming her for that, obviously. She was doing what was best for her daughter. But like that just is the epitome of white privilege, you know? Right. The whole point is being able to look at that and understand that. And like, for example, when Chris says, like, you don't let somebody just sit in jail. Like, why aren't you there trying to get her out? Like, even the fact that it crossed her mind that it would be that easier, easy to just go down and figure out getting her out is is like the epitome of that. Right, exactly. It's It's really, you know, because how many, yeah. It was just, it was very kind of, I guess I, I was hyper, I would have noticed it regardless, but I was just hyper-focused on that right now just because of everything that we've been looking at regarding right. like mass incarceration and how, you know, the, the bail system is the most like classist, most ridiculous fucking system that we have in, in our country. And uh, I don't know. I just thought it was a really interesting thing to kind of analyze. Yeah, definitely. And Yeah. And also, by the way, I, I assume that it was a reenactment, the part where she was actually being pulled over. But if that was a black man, that would not have gone down in that way. Right, exactly. Also, yeah. there's a level of celebrity to it that I'm sure played into it also, which is something that you have to think about. Remember Reese Witherspoon? I'll never forget. Most people forget Reese Witherspoon. Because she does a good job. At, I mean, listen, I'm not trying to like bring it up. But when she was like, what did she say? She's like, don't you know who the fuck I am? What did she yeah. say? Don't you know who I am or don't you know who the fuck I am? Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, so the next scene, Chris is picking up Chloe from jail and she's like, I feel really sad that Chloe's been in jail in this jail cell all night long, but I'm shocked, disappointed, angry all at the same time. And Chloe walks out of jail in the dress from the night before. And she's like, I'm so excited to go home. And who shows up to pick me up? My mom, kill me now. 
<laughs> like also, if I, were, if I was getting out of jail, the only person I would want to be there to be like, oh my God, thank God is my mom picking me up from jail. Yeah, but also, and Kris Jenner specifically. Right. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, I would actually choose Chris Jenner to pick me up from jail over my own mom. I changed my mind. Right. right. Like I, to me, cause she's the one that she can handle it all. Like Courtney, you know, if Courtney came, she would have been with Scott. They would have been laughing the whole time. Chris was like, not fucking around, you know? Yeah. Like Kim and, would have left her more probably if Kim was the one that picked her up. Yeah. And Chris is like, you know, are you okay? She's like, yeah. And, and Chris goes, the good news is you're okay. The bad news is I'm pissed. And Chloe's like, I can't deal with this. I'm so tired. I've been in jail for hours. And she's like, listen, I thought that I was fine to drive. Once I got in the car, I realized that I wasn't. But, you know, Courtney was more drunk and everybody left me. And like, it was kind of the thing, like, there's no excuse. Right. Like, she didn't, you know, like, what, what are you going to say? Like, it's a fucked up thing to do because it's not, you know, the thing about drunk driving is like, it's one thing to do something that only endangers your life. But it's another thing when you are then putting so many other people in danger. And right. It's the most avoidable thing ever. It's literally, I mean, listen, celebrities was the the thing with celebrities during the 2000s when there was a constant amount of DUIs is that like, there is absolutely zero reason that you should ever be in this situation because you have the money to hire a cab. You have other people that you can call. Like there is no reason for you to ever get behind the wheel. Yeah, no, it's so, so, so true. There's even those, you know, even of course this was pre Uber, but there's so many different options. There's even the companies that come and they'll drive your car home and take you in another car. You know, like, like you said, it's just, it's right. very avoidable. There's just so many other people you could have called, like also call your parents. Like that's what my dad always said to me. My parents were not like, they weren't super strict about like drinking in high school, but they definitely weren't down with it. But my dad always made sure I know that if he, if, if somebody, if I need to be picked up, he would come pick me up. Yeah, no, same always. Or even like in, in high school when people would come over, like, you know, my parents didn't give a shit about anything, but the one thing they would always be is like, just make sure everybody leaves their keys always. Right, exactly. Um, I think also just like as a side note, when, I don't know if this was the same for your parents because they're a little younger than mine, but when my parents were growing up, the drinking age in New York was 18 and in New Jersey it was 21. And so my mom said like, you know, they lost a lot of people in their high school because they would drive to the border, whatever, whatever that, uh, town was not her, like a lot of kids in high school, they would get super drunk and then they would drag race. And she was like, we lost so many kids in my high school for that reason, you know? So like they were just always so, I think, I don't know, at the time that they were growing up, it was like uh, rampant. Um, so they were always hypersensitive to that. My yeah. dad actually every my dad every time he was they changed the drinking age because it kept going up he would just miss it because he's a March birthday so they would change like they changed and I was like okay you can drink when he's eighteen okay we changed it to nineteen and he just turned eighteen like it happened every single year that they would change the drinking age. Oh, I remember being that that would have been so annoying at the time, <laughs> you know. So you know they're just talking and and they're like okay here's the age old question like how the fuck are we going to tell Caitlin which as you guys know, this is the theme of this entire season. Like, how are we going to tell her about Playboy? How are we going to tell her about Joe Francis's bikini shoot? How are we going to tell yeah. her Chloe got a DUI? Like, that could literally, this entire season could be named, like, how are we going to tell Caitlin? Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and Chloe's like, listen, I'm not telling her a thing. And Chris is like, you just got a DUI. You don't think she's going to find out? And Chloe's like, like what? Like, Kim hasn't done worse things than me and you guys didn't tell. So let's not even go there. And Chris is like, but to get in a car and potentially hurt the lives of someone else and changing someone else's whole life forever. And she's like, I get it, but this is not the right time. I haven't eaten. I haven't gone to the bathroom. Leave me alone right now. I get it. I've been in jail sitting, thinking about it. My point is I'm mad at Courtney for telling you guys one and two, Kaylin is not knowing a thing. 
That is well, the most classic line in the whole world is I've been sitting like thinking about it. Like there is no classic line. It's like, you can't say anything to me that I haven't already said to myself. The classic parent, like child to parent line, you mean? I can't even tell you how many times I've said that line. <laughs> it every time. I'm not even kidding. It works. And everyone knows it. Like everyone is so prepared for that line. And yet somehow it still works. I think it works for you specifically because like you're so, it's so hard to have conversations with you. And it's like, you know, pulling out like, well, why'd you do that? What was the reason that you think you did that? What made you do that? That you'd rather just like tell them that you did the therapy session yourself so you didn't have to engage, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they're back at the Calabasas house and Chris leaves Chloe in the bathroom to kind of get cleaned up. And she's like, okay, then we're going to have a talk. And she's like, you need to start thinking about what your dad would say about this right now, which Julie, that line just like hit me like that. As someone who's lost. You know parent, that line is so funny to me when I thought about it's so what? funny to me that you use that line on your dad more than your dad ever uses it on you. Ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> I, that's so true. That is so true. Like, he's never time- to say to you, like imagine what mommy would think, but how many times did you say like, what would mommy say if she was here? Yeah, what would mommy? What would mommy say about that red meat? <laughs> what would mommy only say if you were eating a bun? <laughs> yeah, the only thing that he says that to me about is uh, the dermatologist because of how much I sit in the sun. It's like you know, mommy would want you to go check out those two little dots. I'm like, you're fucking right. For me, it's um, like you too, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Chloe's in her confessional. She goes, "It's so heartless that she's bringing this up right now about Robert. She knows it's going to fuck with my head. My dad's not here. I don't understand why she needs to bring him up. I, you know, I think that it was." like a tactic of Chris to really make her think about it. She knew that that was what was really going to get, like get through to her, I think, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. And Courtney comes in and she's like, Chloe's in her confession. She's like, if it wasn't for fucking Courtney, no one would even know about my DUI. And yes, they would. (laughs) First of all, everybody would have known. So like also we're filming a reality show. (laughs) And also no one in your family can keep their mouth shut. And also like, what were they going to do when you like ended up having to serve in jail or like needed an actual lawyer? Like this wasn't the end of it. Exactly. So, you know, they're fighting and Chloe's upset because she specifically, I guess, told Courtney not to tell Chris. And she's like, I don't really care that you told Kim. Um, She's like, but the first thing that I wanted to see when I got out wasn't Chris, which again, can't relate, but like fine. By the way, that was so unfair for her to be like, the first thing I want to see when I got out wasn't Chris yelling at me. Like Chris literally hugged her and asked if she was okay the first thing she did. I know. And so now they're sitting in the living room. It's Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, and Rob. And this is kind of when the conversation starts to shift in terms of just from what happened to like the reasons behind it. And Kim's like, you know, this is really serious and it happened for a reason. And Chris is like, the only thing I can say out of all of this is that you learn a lesson. And they're kind of saying that like, this is what you're going to have to say to Caitlin. And, and Chris is like, the way I feel is anytime you have secrets that you keep from somebody, it's stressful. Then you have to think of lies to cover the lies, to cover the lies. And it's just not worth it. And they're kind of just encouraging Chloe, like, just go to Caitlin, just tell her yourself. So Caitlin comes in and she's like, what? Chloe's like, I got a DUI. And Caitlin is just not having it, you know? Yeah, Caitlin's also shocked. Yeah, she's like, this is the first, I think, I think actually, you, you may say that I'm totally wrong. I think this part was actually real. I don't know what's real, but also like, to me, everything's real. Yeah, I know, to me, everything's real. Um. 
And Caitlin's like, this is the first I've heard about it. I mean, that's really stupid, you know, really stupid. And she's like, I wasn't that drunk. It wasn't a high percentage. And Caitlin's like, so? And Chris's like, this is really hard for her. And Caitlin goes, remember my brother was killed in a car accident? Killed, dead, gone, 18 years ago, fooling around in a car. Look at all the bull you got him. You you both, you go through because you're out drinking. If your dad was still around and Rob's like, people drinking and driving kill themselves. And Kim's like, forget about yourself. Kill yourself, that's fine. It's selfish of you to go and harm other people. Caitlin goes, congratulations, Chloe. You're the first one in the family to get a DUI. Way to go, Chloe. Jesus. I felt like that was an appropriate reaction. The one thing that I will always say about Caitlin is that Caitlin, that's, Caitlin is that friend that you tell somebody something to and like, why didn't you tell me first? Like, why haven't, why haven't you told me already? Like, why did yeah. like, you're being told now. Stop harping on that. Yeah. That's like my least, not with Caitlin necessarily, because I kind of get it because she's a parent figure, but that with friends, we always talk about that. It's like my, probably my number one pet peeve. It's my, yeah, it's mine too. I hate it. It's like, why, why is this all of a sudden about you? Right. Like, like give me my own time frame here. Right. Like maybe there was someone I'm else in my life. I'm telling you in general. Yeah. And also like maybe there was someone else in my life that I know had gone through that same experience and I wanted to tell them first, like, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. So next scene, Kim and Courtney are at Dash and they're kind of just talking about how, you know, Chloe's like have all this, has all this rage built up and Kim goes, I'm afraid of her. Like the guys she dates, she probably beats them up, which that was a moment where I'm like, oh my God, season 17, Chloe is a fucking different breed. Right. Right. It's not even the same conversations that they have about her. It's entirely different. Also, like the exact conversation that Kim and Courtney are having about Chloe is the conversation that Chloe and Kim have about Courtney now. Right. Like when, when she was saying, you know, she probably beats up the guys she dates. I'm like, actually, she makes their bed and then Febreze's it. <laughs> but thanks for playing. <laughs> like, she got her and she won't even hit them. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. So next scene, they're at the Calabasas house and Chris and Chloe are in the kitchen and Chris kind of asks Chloe what's wrong. And she's like, I don't know. We've just been fighting so much lately. And I don't really understand what I've done. I don't know. Just everyone's fighting. And I don't understand why. It's really pissing me off because I'm always the one that has to say I'm sorry. We normally fight and have some reason why we're fighting. And Chris is like, you know what I think, Chloe? I think that it all has to do something with the time of year. And it seems like every year rolls around. And it's the anniversary of daddy's death. And I think everyone doesn't know how to deal with their grief. So you guys all get, including myself, really angry. I think there's a lot of unspoken grief. And the only way we know how to deal with it is to sometimes turn that into anger. And we sometimes lash out at the people we love the most because we're the only ones who understand. And Chloe in her confessional goes, if we're fighting, I just think I should be the one to do what my dad would have done and smooth things over. My dad and our family was the rock. He was the backbone of all of us. I would hope my family would consider me the rock or a strong person in their life. Oh my God. Julie, there's so much to get into here. I know. Okay. The first thing I want to, let's first go through Chris's statement and then I want to analyze Chloe's, okay? Okay. <laughs> 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 I literally like oh my god I forgot how how analytical this gets you know it, beyond so I know yeah so in terms of Chris's statement when she was saying that there's a lot of rage around this time of year I, I told you this that you know it's one of those things like you really can't ex- know what it's like until you've experienced it but there is this sense of anger and I you know like I think at this at my time in my life where, you know, this was the fourth year of Chloe's, of Robert's death, right? And so I'm going on year three. And if I'm just comparing the two situations, because obviously that's the only lens that I have to do it from, like, I think that I probably went through more therapy than she did if I've just my gut, but I still have that sense that comes up of 
like anger, you know, not of, not of victimizing yourself of like, why is this happening to me? But just this anger of like, what the fuck? Like there's so much of my life that I have to live and so many things. And like the fact that my mom is in here is so fucked up, you know, of course, like yeah. you're mad at, you're mad at nobody other than the situation. You're mad at the cancer. You're not mad at a person. You're not mad at your family members, but it, it's true. It comes out in that way because they're the only people that can understand it. Right. Of and course. I just think Chris was spot on with that. Yeah, I mean, Chris knows, and she knows Chloe well. And also, Chloe's the type of person where, like, if she's upset, she doesn't hide it. Like, you know when she's upset. And, and you know, Chris is obviously able to understand, like, okay, I see you're acting differently. You're clearly doing things that you've never done before. I know what time of the year it is. Like, I maybe you don't realize it, but, like, this is why you're acting like this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And in terms of Chloe's, when she was, like, saying how – the da- her, you know, Robert was the backbone in the rock and she wants that her, she wants her family to view her as the rock. That like, that line clicked for me when she said that, you know? Yes. Like that's well, what like- everybody says now. That's how hard she works now to be that person. And she is that person. But like, I felt like a fucking, um, ar- what are they called? Anthrop- archaeologist, anthropologist. I don't know. Someone where I was like going back and being like, oh my God, that's the fucking connection. Like, that's why you work so hard because you want to emulate your father in that way. Yes, it's her. Um, it's her rosebud. Right, right. Do you know that reference? Where did you pull that term out of? Well, it's not. It's it's from Citizen Kane. It's like it's your rosebud is the thing that's the, that traces back to the reason why you are the way you are. Yeah, but that was such a good call to randomly have pop into your brain. Sometimes that happens to me. You're so good with stuff like that out of nowhere. I don't know how though, because I can't remember anything. And then all of a sudden I have these like random like brain bursts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> brain bursts. I didn't know what else to call it. See, I couldn't even come up with a word for that. <laughs> <laughs> I just love you. Oh my God. I, I miss you so much. <laughs> you guys, you also guys should know that <laughs> Julie is literally like <laughs> without fail. Every single day I come downstairs and my dad's like, hmm, Julie hasn't been online in a minute. And I have to text her and be like, Sorry, not to be annoying, but you haven't played my dad back in words with friends in a little bit. He's <laughs> beating me. So cute. I'm winning okay. more fun now, though. You are? Yeah, by a lot, I think. Wow. So the next scene, they're at Dash, and Kim and Courtney are kind of sitting there talking about Chloe's anger issues, and she walks in. And Chloe's like, well, we've all been fighting a lot lately, and I just don't think that's cool. I understand that we're going to fight because we do so much stuff together, but I got you guys a little gift because I felt a little bad for you both. And she gives them both um, a music note necklace that looks just like the music note that their dad had on his keychain, which that was so sentimental. Yeah, that was like the perfect gift. Yeah. And, you know, Kim was saying how their dad was so into music and he was in the music business. So everything he had was always had a music note. And Chloe's like, it's an apology present because I know that I was a little out of line and crazy, but it's also something for us to wear every day, kind of like a sister thing. And she says in her confessional, she's like, I admit that I don't know how to deal with my dad's death as of now, but I will find a way to cope with it and overcome it. It was just like a sweet moment. Yeah, they all hug and make up. Like it, it ends the way every Kardashian episode ends. Yeah. And the last scene, they're in you know, the ranch and they're kind of just watching old videos of Robert and home movies. And it was so, like, I was sitting there fucking bawling my eyes out, which I don't know if that's just because I've been missing my mom so much recently or I would have cried regardless. I don't know if how you felt, but, like, it was so sweet. Yeah, it was so sweet. And also, like, 
I know exactly what that feeling is because I have so many home movies that like when you're watching, you forget for a second. You're like, oh my God, I can't, I literally can't believe that's us. I know. Isn't that so crazy? Like, don't you think how grateful you are for your parents for filming everything? Even at the time, it was so goddamn annoying. Oh my God, they filmed everything. I know, but I feel so fortunate for it now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My, you know my mom, she went to Costco, she got everything put onto a DVD. And then as soon as they were put onto DVDs, everyone's like, we don't really use DVD players anymore. So then she got them put all onto her iPad. That's what I need to do. I need to, they're on DVDs, but I have to get, we have, I have to find a company that does that. Costco used to do it. Now it doesn't anymore. We'll figure it out. I, I told your dad that I have to help him figure it out. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Chloe says in her confessional, she's like, you know, I believe that all of our blessings that we have now are because we have a guardian angel, which is my dad by our sides, which... I thought that was really, I don't know. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, like, wait till the blessings you're about to have. Like, he's doing a real good job. You yeah. Know? yeah, Rob's putting in the work. Yeah, he's not fucking around. Um, I don't know. That was it. It was a, kind of a different tone. I know it wasn't as, like, much of a fun episode, but I thought it was, I, I loved every second of it. I love seeing the side of them, and I thought it was really vulnerable for season one, you know? I also think it just set the tone of, like, okay, this is a crazy family. Like looking at it from a season one lens, right? Like this is a crazy family. They're into some crazy shit, but there's also going to be like a lot of real moments. So be ready for that because that's what it is. Like they, they blew us away with the amount of real moments they actually have on the show. Oh my God. And they continue to. Yeah. Yeah. Like for all the fucking reenactments and fake shit, there's a bunch of very honest conversations that we wouldn't see anywhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, guys, um, we love you. And like I said in the beginning, you know, just because this is more of our normal schedule and Kardashian content, the work does not stop. We're going to put in um, the description some organizations and also some call to actions. If you have not signed the petition for Sandra Bland's case and also justiceforbriana.org, please, please do that. It makes a difference. These petitions actually make a huge difference. Um, And uh, we love you guys. We will see you next week. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.